Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Bingo podcast with yours truly, Solomon Wilcox. And today we have a very special guest, Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic, who, of course, does a great job of covering the Bengals on a daily basis. Paul, welcome to the show. How you been doing? Good to be here. Good to be here, Solly. Always love joining you. Well, I, I love reading um, what you put out every single day. Uh, is this always great information? I tell Bengals fans it's a great read, great reporting that's taking place. And look, you you just uh, coined an, an article. It's a really great piece. And you talk about Joe Burrow and this calf injury. And you talk about the fact that the team is trying to find a pathway forward. Um, look, I think if you look at the video, you say, okay, um, it looks like a mild injury. Maybe it's nothing totally serious there. But at the end of the day, it's not a nothing either. This calf injury could turn out to be something more than maybe what it looks like. Where do you stand on it? And, and what news do you have? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think everybody you talk to, this for the most part is something that ends up a season footnote, you know, that something if the Bengals are playing a game in January, you might not even remember that this happened. Um, and I think people were almost like that with the appendectomy last year a little bit too. Uh, you forget that that was a part of, of his year last year. But there are a lot of cases, and the NFL has really pinpointed these lower extremity injuries, which the calf injury is a part of, as something they've really focused on finding a way to make sure they avoid these because they've seen it to be the biggest burden on players. They've seen it to be the one, the one injury that has one of these highest recurrence rates that does end up lasting and causing issues throughout seasons. There's one very specific way that it happens, though, and, and every doctor I talk to, everybody that has been associated with it that's ever had an issue that isn't one of those footnotes, one of those that turned into something that ruined a season was – you have to make sure you are 100% back and avoid a setback at the end. Most of these setbacks happen when you're 90%. Everything feels fine. You're ready to go. And then you have a setback and it rips up the scar tissue and you start back from part from one. You're right yeah. back to ground Day zero. One. Yeah. That's the issue. Avoiding that ends up making this something that you're 100% healed, you're all good, but you have to avoid that and have that self-discipline uh, to not have a setback re-injuring it by trying to come back too early. Don't want to speculate, but could we already be there? Because he was wearing, you know, there's been a lot of people talking about it. I've talked with some orthopedic surgeons. It looked like he was already wearing a sleeve on the calf where he had been battling maybe some concerns there. Being an athlete, I know what that's like. You're nursing, you're getting treatment, you already, even during your training, you have the injury and we all fight through injuries all the time. And so just the fact that he was wearing a sleeve on the calf was sort of a precursor for many of us that he was dealing with it, but yet he was going to practice. And then you saw him try to explode and sprint and that, that soft muscle tissue. Those are the thing that just drives us all crazy as athletes, because you're right. It can just reach out and grab you. When you thought it was healed, you thought it was okay, it just reaches out of nowhere and lets you know that, no, I'm still here. Was there any sort of pre-existing situation prior to what we saw on, on tape? Yeah, you know, I mean, you had, he wasn't wearing that the day before. So it was clearly something that 
you know, and they kind of admit they, there's conversations. Everybody, you had that soreness after the first day, and you're saying, well, yeah. you know, my calf's a little sore. Let's, well, but it's no big deal. I'll just put a little, put a compression sleeve on it and be fine. And you know, that was late in the practice. I mean, he had they had been going hard um for almost two hours you know i mean they've been going after it uh and you know the practices had been noticeably uh intense for day one and day two and so i it's hard to say that because yes he clearly had something but everything had been fine for a couple of hours but you know it was hot you were doing a lot of work and then that happens and it's easy to look back and say, yeah, maybe it should have been dialed back a little bit. You know, I mentioned the NFL. I mean, this is exactly what they talked about when yeah. they put $4 million in research into this, into studying where these happen. It's almost always in this period. So they put specific guardrails and limitations on the first two to five days because yeah. that's where they see so many of these injuries happening with guys going yeah. too hard when their body isn't totally ready, try to turn in more of a ramp up period. That's right. You know, and maybe they, maybe the Bengals need to go back to a little bit more of a ramp up period in coming years and focus more on that uh, because you see what happened this time. Look, um, soft muscle tissue injuries are just a part of the game. They drive coaches crazy because like a hamstring or calf muscle, um, uh, it, it could really set a player back. But there is unfortunate circumstance that this is not an Achilles tendon, right? Those, you know, right away, you're done for the year. We've already seen that uh, with some players who have had some tears of more than just a strain. So in a sense, the Cincinnati Bengals are lucky, but um, help us to understand, because you really were able to chronicle in your piece some athletes who've, who've had the same injury and it just went on to nag them throughout the season in a way. Look, you, you quote Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Mike Trout. I know it's a different sport, but help us to understand how this is something I think that will be continue to be um, top of mind as we progress through the season. Yeah, the Mike Trout example is the one that stands out. Now it was a grade two strain, so it was probably uh, you know the the actual you know, how severity of what Burrow has. Uh, we don't know that yet, but you know when you when you hear several weeks, that suggests that it's not probably the level of what Trout had. But what ended up happening is exactly what we talked about: is you know Trout was out for about a month, month and a half thought he was back and tried to come all the way back uh, running with his teammates and had the setback and ended up shutting down his entire season. You know, he played less than 40 games that year with, yeah. with, with a calf strain. I mean, he called it with the hardest injury of his one of the hardest things he ever deal with his entire life. Um, and because it's just, it's, it's such a difficult thing when it keeps coming back and Aaron Rodgers had it in the in, notably in a, in a postseason run in 2015. Heard it early in January, and that whole postseason he couldn't move in the pocket. He was back there trying to hobble around a little bit. Still yeah. able to win games and got him the NFC yeah. Championship game. But you know he admitted you know it was significant, and and you saw it in his play. A lot of times we do see this, Sally, where guys, you know, I mean, they they try they play through it, or or they just try or they try to play that, and you can see that their effectiveness is limited. They're on the same zip on yeah. the ball. Burrow using the plant leg of being his right. That's something that that you got to watch for is like, is he getting the same velocity on the football? Because that when you're pushing with that leg, that's going to be a big part of knowing if he's all the way back or, or limited in any way. But, you know, so much of it is is has been a guy misses a game, maybe two and is back and fine. There's tons of examples of that, that's but right. it can be very limiting if you if you are still kind of dealing with it as you go. Also, and I appreciate you providing some nuance on 
how a, a lower leg injury, a calf muscle, can impact a what we know to be a pocket quarterback. Is Joe Burrow a running quarterback in the style of a Lamar Jackson or even a, a Josh Allen? No, he's not. But you and I both know, Paul, and you can help us out here, I think he's one of the best in-pocket movement quarterbacks that we have in our league. And I put him and Patrick Mahomes on, on that next level, much like a Tom Brady, not known as a runner, but the way that he can move and just ever so slightly avoid the pressure and then get the ball off very quickly. Um, I think it's an underestimated skill, but one that could be impacted by this type of injury. What say you? hundred percent. Um, you know, that's, I don't look at him when they talk about him being somebody who's in the pocket, not mobile. I mean, the amount of movement that he does in the yes. pocket is almost unrivaled inside in today's game, uh, the side to side. And then the move that we saw him make that he got hurt on where he's in there and flushes. I mean, look, this yeah. is a guy that hasn't had solid protection really for a couple of years. And, and so he, you, I feel like when he drops back and like dips his shoulder and pushes forward, that's not his normal motion. He just does it so often you would think it is because uh, that's just what Burroughs always had to do. Uh, that's part of what his superpower is. That's part of what makes him so good. And, you know, to, to think that you would maybe lose some of that would be an issue. That shouldn't be the case. If this thing heals itself and all is well, you, I don't think it'll be affected one iota. Uh, however, um, that is what you worry about when you talk about making sure you don't come back too early and have a setback. The one thing he has going for him is he's young. Mm -hmm. Having been uh, the younger ball player than the older ball player, I could tell you the body heals differently in these early years of your career <laughs> than it does <laughs> at, at the end. So that's something that he has going for him. You did a wonderful job of chronicling in your piece and something that I've kind of looked at as well. Joe Burrow has had it anything but easy um, at the beginning of, of the season since he's come into this league. You've chronicled that in 2020, it was he was playing through a pandemic. He was trying to learn a new offense at the same time, couldn't meet with the uh with his teammates until they got into training camp. He was kind of behind the eight ball in terms of his progression. And then the second season, he was coming off an ACL injury, I think only maybe eight to 10 months post-op. Did not play in a preseason game that year as well. And then last year coming in, having the emergency appendectomy surgery and missing pretty much all of training camp in the preseason. And now here we go again. So the Bengals have been here before. So is Joe. It did not impact his season as a whole. So why are we of greater concern this year, even though it's happening for the fourth year in a row? Well, I don't know that they are for those reasons. I mean, I feel like they look at, I mean, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, said to me specifically, he was more concerned last year coming off the appendectomy than he was with what they have to deal with now because last year there was such a physical loss. I mean, he was his weight was way down. He had to rebuild back up, whereas the, that's not going to end up being the case if all goes well here. And, and you know, you're used to going through these preseasons in these camps without doing anything and he did get all of the offseason into july and through the mini camps to to work on stuff and make sure everybody was up with the mental aspect and so 
for that fact, I don't think that there's as, you know, a huge concern, but you know, Solly, I mean, they did start slow the last couple of years right. and, mm-hmm. and you saw it early in, in the season last year, specifically in week one, obviously where Burrow didn't look himself and there were five turnovers. And yeah. I think you can at least give a certain percentage of that back to the fact the appendectomy and all the time that he missed. And I think there was a reason why he was interested in playing this preseason. I mean, he said that specifically to us thought that would be beneficial to play in the preseason. Why? Because he felt like he could have used it when he was out there against Pittsburgh <laughs> last year. Right. And so right. I think that's part of this. You maybe lose some of that. But in the grand scheme of the big picture of the season, um, it shouldn't really mean much. It's something you'd, you'd like. But, you know, they've been in the final four of the league the last two years without it. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? Well, I think they're forced to hit a pause button. Um, and they're comfortable with that because they have been successful having done it before but I always say there's a reason why we practice in this game (laughs) because you do need the timing um, and the work and the reps to develop that chemistry and to develop that high level efficiency that I believe Paul that this offense is looking for think about this Um, you've now had the likes of a Joe Mixon a um, a Jamar Chase a T Higgins a Joe Burrow Um, And then you've got Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan all together for about what the third, fourth year in a row where this offense over the last two years ranked seventh in the NFL when scoring right around 26 to 27 points per game that given the fact that they've been together now for what's going on a fourth consecutive season, that kind of chemistry and cohesiveness and that experience should lend itself to a real uptick offensively and I think that's what they're expecting and that's why they came out gun ho guns a blazing in training camp because I do believe they're high expectations for this offense given the um, experience that they have together but in a way this kind of hits the pause button on that doesn't it it does but this is the benefit of where they're at I mean this is the benefit of having the entire coaching I mean Burrow has only known one way He's known Dan Pitcher is my quarterback's coach. Brian Callahan's my offensive coordinator. Zach Taylor's my head coach. The front office is the same. And for the last two years, he's known his three receivers, and they're all stars. And he's known now an, a full year under his belt with this line outside of adding Orlando Brown. I mean, yeah. to think that it, it won't take but a snap or two, I don't think, for Joe Burrow to get, to get on pace. Jamar Chase, I don't think he's going to drop back and be like, oh, I don't feel like I have good chemistry with Jamar week <laughs> one. Like, it's yeah. it's that easy. Yeah. It's, it's going to be like riding a bike because there's so much time together. This isn't a new scheme. These aren't new hand signals. This isn't new eye contact. All of that stuff is stuff they've been doing for multiple years in the same system with the same coaches. Everything is so known. No team in the league, and I I mean, there's no question, no team in the league is better set to handle missing this time than Joe Burrow and the Bengals because they have the best setup to pick up right where they left off. The continuity, I think, speaks for itself. You did a wonderful job of driving that home in terms of where this offense could go. I think there's such high expectations, and I think they'll live up to it considering – they now have some continuity up front on the offensive line as well. Um, how does this in any way, shape, or form? Where are we with the contract negotiation, Paul? Because uh, it was said after Justin Herbert last week signed his new deal that now um, I think we have the floor for what we could expect from Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals 
Does this injury in any way, shape, or form impact those negotiations or what the conversations are like? I mean, it makes it easier to get it done. I mean, you can the the I want to focus on football excuse won't work for a little bit. I mean, you That's got right. like, go over there, <laughs> wheel your chair over there, Joe, and let's go get this done. I mean, no, I don't think it affects the negotiations. This is such a longer term thing to think that a short term uh, medical issue is going to play a role. I don't think so. This was going to get done soon anyway. I mean, this yeah. it, it's felt like something that's just a matter of working it out. Everybody seems so on board i mean we it's very close to the vest they've specifically tried to stay out of talking about this on both sides even though it's almost impossible to because we're all trying so hard we're probing here we're asking a question here we're reading the tea leaves here you know so we've done all of that so you know a little bit and it just it's gonna get done and when he come next time he touches a field it'll be done He'll yeah. be a rich man and they can start worrying about their other business, which is to which is more the issue at hand here is, yes, getting the borough contract is massive, mostly because it sets the landscape of That's what right. things look like now going forward. And that is when we start talking about T. Higgins and Logan Wilson and do you keep Lil Collins around and all of these things that sort of hang out there in the balance, other potential extensions, you you have to have that in place first. They've said that pretty specifically. So they, they still want to get it done soon, whether he's on the field practicing or not. So I don't think that changes that. I expect it to happen before too long and uh, he'll be out there. And the next time he's out there, we'll be talking about uh, how much money he now has in his pockets. Congratulations, Joe. That's look- right. Two lingering thoughts. Cause I think he'll, all the projections show he'll come in right around 55 million a year above where we see um, Justin Herbert, he'll be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for the upcoming season. But what would that contract look like? Will it be right around the $260 million overall for a five-year deal? Or will it be a longer deal that will allow them to accommodate a lower salary cap to be able to have potentially what could be a team with two wide receivers at $20 million or more by the time we go into 2024 with Chase and Higgins. Um, a longer contract says you, you're probably able to keep both. The shorter contract makes it a little bit difficult. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing, everybody I've talked to when you start talking about what to look for when this contract comes out is years. The, right. Specifically, when is he signed through? The simplest yeah. thing, right? The, yeah. the easiest number to write down at the top of the contract. You're signed through 2029 or whatever. Yeah. If you're, if you, they are keeping Joe Burrow to the same length that Justin Herbert or, I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, if Justin yeah. Herbert is 2020 not through 2029. Mm-hmm. If that's the case. There are really no other numbers that make it not a good deal for the Bengals because the longer it goes on, you know, the better the bargain looks in the long run. And yeah. the more you can space things out, the more you can work with structure. It can be the most money you've ever heard said in regards to a player. You could talk about crazy numbers, but if the year is you got them through this whole decade, it doesn't matter as much because it helps with the structure and it helps you be able to work other things. And that's when you can keep somebody like T Higgins and Jamar Chase with them. You can find ways to make this work. Sally, you know, Katie Blackburn. I mean, she is a wizard, man. She is really, really good with this stuff and doesn't get enough credit. I think this is, you know, this is her Mona Lisa, right? This is her chance. This is, she's never had a task this hard. I mean, this is, 
when you're talking about how do you make all of these expensive pieces fit and not lose the core of your team between her and Duke working that together, this is, um, you know, going to be really challenging. But, you know, if anybody can do it, the way she is constantly able to keep the Bengals in good health financially, cap wise, uh, she's the one that can do it. And But the longer term is what's going to help her most. It's where the rubber meets the road. One final question, Paul, before we get you out of here. Um, today, okay, this being Monday, July 31st, at the time of recording for this show, um, Peter King wrote that uh, our Joe Burrow could be starring on the next episode of, of Netflix's Quarterback, right, which is shot by Peyton Manning's production company, Omaha Productions. Uh, but I understand that you have even better information. Uh, what do you have? What can you tell us? Well, I mean, we asked him straight up on Wednesday uh, if if he was going to do it. And he said, no, uh, he's not. He doesn't want to do it, it at this point. But he wasn't closing the door. He's down the line, he said he likes the idea of maybe doing it at some point in the future. But he's more of a private guy. And there's just a lot of reasons where he's not ready for that to be exposed at this point in where he's at as a young guy. And so that's what he told us. All I know is when we specifically asked him straight up, he said no. He doesn't want to do that right now, maybe sometime in the future. So maybe it is sometime in the future, or, or maybe this is all a big ruse. It wouldn't be the first time we've been lied to at that podium, Sally. Okay. It has happened before. Uh it happens all the time. But I, I I wouldn't I don't think Joe would do that. Joe is one of those guys that what you see is what you get. You know, yeah. he you know, he's so good at at being able to communicate whatever he tells you, it is what it is. So I I tend to believe you don't see him doing all the commercials and, you know, everyone's coming at him, but he seems to be a guy that's really dialed in um, to the task at hand um, and very serious about bringing a good championship to Cincinnati. Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic joining us on the Believe in Bingo podcast right here on Valley Sports, Ohio. Great reporting, my friend. Keep up the great work and thanks for joining us. No problem. Have a good one, Sally. All the best to you, Paul. Take care. All right. We'll see you next time when we come back right here on Bally Sports Ohio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.